0: Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Mike Amade Show, episode 421, Sacred Theater. I should first say, right away, that my plan was to actually put this episode out yesterday. And after spending the, uh, the allotted time I had, I had this about 85%, I want to say, of what I wanted to have done before I put it out. And I decided to hold back until I was able to get it all the way there. So I hope you forgive the lapse in time, but I think ultimately, it will be worth it. What I want to talk about today is the idea of sacred theater. And there's various definitions of this, but first let's start with the definition of theater. I mean, of course, theater can talk about the the noun theater, but then the one the definition we're really primarily um, interested in is this a play or activity or presentation considered in terms of its dramatic quality. As I quote, this is intense, moving, and inspiring theater. And that is really where we want to go. But beyond just theater, what is the definition of sacred theater? Now, the way we can kind of put this together is if we look at, for instance, a definition. So we'll just go to Merriam-Webster. The definition of sacred being, and there's multiple ones here, but one is dedicated or set apart for the service or worship of a deity. That's one. But this one I'm very interested in right here. Devoted exclusively to one's service or use as of a person or a purpose. Um, for instance, it could be like a, a sacred um, fund for charity or a fund sacred to charity is actually the way they use. Um, we also go farther. Worthy of religious veneration, entitled to reverence and respect, and... So when we add these things together, we see theater, and then we see the idea of the sacred. We're talking about something that is performed, something that has executed for the dramatic effect. And then if we add sacred, it is devoted exclusively to one's service or use. I think this is really the jumping off point. So when we look at theater, and we look at the idea of sacred theater, I want to expand the concept. I don't think that theater, as we know it, you know, is going to plays or musicals or whatever, that is not actually my full definition. I think theater is anything where there is something performed or executed in a public place, which includes a lot of the internet nowadays. My treatise is, in a way, it's almost all sacred theater, including sports. And we'll get there in a minute. The place I want to get into this is with an essay by Pamela R. Hendrick, who's a professor emerita of theater at Stockton University in Galway, New Jersey. Um, maybe that's Galloway. I'm not exactly sure. I might have pronounced that incorrectly. But she has a great piece that focuses on this very idea. It's called Sacred and Profane The Common Roots of Theater and worship. And I'm going to read little bits of this because I think it illustrates these points very well. Let's just get into it. This is from Hendrick's essay. Some, he- some theater historians and cultural anthropologists argue over whether what we in the European tradition call theater emerged from religious ritual or from storytelling, but many argue that religious ritual and storytelling are not discrete, and that theater could grow from both simultaneously, and in fact it is likely that storytellers and spiritual leaders were often one and the same, shamans, bards, seers. Keepers of the communal wisdom. If we look at the roles of ritual in pre industrialized cultures, we can identify several. Ritual established a sacred relationship between members of the group and to the divine. It offered a forum for communal petitioning to divine for health, abundance, peace. It offered a communal forum for offering thanks for the above. It offered explanation of the cultural natural world, I should say. It offered explanation of the natural world, stories of creation, divisions of powers and jurisdictions of the gods. It recounted the history of the people, their origin, their great tribulations, and victories. And most importantly, it did this communally. The community claimed its identity through these rituals that came to include dancing, singing, drumming, eventually adding other instruments, chanting, and storytelling. In short, all of the elements of the performing arts. The form of ritual celebration of practice may once have been condescendingly called primitive, but many such rituals exist today across the globe. They've been preserved or resurrected. It's at this moment that I want to pull back from the essay and talk about the various avenues of um, communal performance that we see in our modern world. For instance, of course, we have um, we have church, we have mass, we have services um, that we go to and we participate as a community. And it helps us connect to the general community and to the divine as well. We also have uh, music. So when we go see music performed, that is also a community experience taking us to another place we're being directed our emotions are being directed a certain way uh, but we're there experiencing this as a community when we go see a play we're having the same thing done we're moving into this story that's being told for us when we go see a film it's the same thing a film is just a play with technology thrown in when you really think about it when we uh go see a speaker you know, when we see someone like Tony Robbins or or whoever, we're going back to that storyteller, shaman, sage kind of concept, and there's something primordial about all of these things that makes sense. And then when we go see sports, it's connecting us to the sense of drama. It's almost like watching a story of a battle, but we're not exactly sure how it's gonna end. We get to see this the striving and these feats of human potential. And I would say My belief is that music, drama, all of these things, um, art, sports, allow us to experience the suspense and the dramatics that are oftentimes missing from our own day-to-day lives, thankfully, Um, but that we still yearn to experience as our human spirit is wide and our hearts are vast and so we, we, we ache for these kinds of experiences and these sorts of things this sacred theater this performance this allows us to get there and connect in my opinion to the divine and the divine nature of our spirit and of our soul to me this is really powerful that's why i spend most of my time here in a way i believe that you know as i talked about the theater of the imagination you were able to to read words and and concoct images in your imagination. You're able to hear music and concoct images in your imagination. To me, that's also sacred theater, the sacred theater of the imagination. This is such a powerful conduit to who we are deeply that I feel like all of these avenues are incredibly valid and incredibly worthwhile, which is why you will never hear me actually shaming a particular discipline or performance, because it all serves its function. Now, let me go back to the essay, because there's a few things I want to read towards the end that I really find fascinating. Dr. Hendricks goes on to write, cognitive scientists have recently become very interested in the phenomenon of performance. Performance study has always been interested in the paradox of the performer, that she can both be herself and the other at the same time. And she also says in the the essay here, I wish I had the time here to talk about non-European forms of sacred performance, such as the West West African uh, Yoruba rituals, in which the performers embody and channel the spirit of the ancestor or the god, that actors learn that they must both be mindful of the audience and erase its presence to be in character. Cognitive studies have discovered that the audience unconsciously embraces that duality. The willing suspension of disbelief may not be so willing. When we're caught up in a performance, we both give ourselves over to the fiction and evaluate the quality of the performance at the same time. But as we empathize with the actions on the stage, our bodies and brains respond emotionally and kinesthetically as though we were ourselves the actors. As we watch Billy Elliot dance, the neurons are firing between our brains and our arms and our legs. We're living that pirouette. Aristotle's concept of empathy and catharsis may be more or less hardwired. So as we watch performance, we momentarily erase otherness. There's an exchange of energy between performers and audience that, when approached with dedication and respect, can expand our humanity on both the conscious and unconscious levels. Does it always happen? Of course not. I've seen many live performances where my watch held the bulk of my attention, and I've been to religious services where that was also the case. Just as the ladies gossiping behind their hymnals in the Methodist church are probably not having a spiritual experience, so too live performance can fail to connect. But I believe that there is a spiritual, spiritually transform, transformational potential whenever we gather collectively to perform and to witness performance. So, In modern theater, what do I consider profane? This is still from uh, Hendrix. I'm really pretty relaxed about language and sex. I'm a child of the 60s, and I've been part of the theater world for around 40 years. Gratuitous violence really offends me, but it's often more disgust and annoyance than a real sense of violation. Given what I understand about our psyche's empathetic response, I would call performances that exploit that response profane. Um, I'll cite Stanley Kubrick's 1970s film, A Clockwork Orange, as an example. I know it's considered a masterpiece on many levels, but the director uses all of the artistry of, of the film medium to manipulate the audience into empathizing with a brutal sociopath. I first saw that film when it came out in the early 1970s, and I felt violated. I tried watching it again with students in one of my classes a few years ago. My feelings were the same, and I was not alone. Another example of profane and modern performance, in my opinion, is the TV sitcom Laugh Track, I read an account a few years ago, maybe in Time Magazine, about how sitcom writers learned to manipulate the audience into thinking they heard jokes when they hadn't. They wrote what they call jokelets, snippets of dialogue that had the rhythm of a joke, set up, set up, punchline, response, punchline, but really had no punchline. These were neatly married into the appropriate laugh track and voila, the audience laughed too. I consider that sort of mental manipulation profane. Aristotle maintained that theater has a double mandate, to delight and to instruct. And when I think of what I'm looking for in a service, uh, it might sum it, that might sum it up. At the beginning of human society, we came together to praise, petition, enlighten, and connect, to help us understand what it is to be human. The experience was considered sacred. And as Hendricks closes this by saying, as a spiritual humanist, I believe live performance can yet be a transformational experience for performers and witnesses alike. And I have to say, when I read this, um, when I read Hendrick's work, that I agree in many respects. And I believe that all of this, all of it is sacred theater. All of it, if approached correctly, can teach us about ourselves. All of us can give us perspectives and new ways to see who we are the realities of our world, the depth of the world, and also allows us to see the cosmos as it unfolds and to understand the nature of God or the universe or however you choose to connect with it. Anyway, that's my thought. But as you go through the day, look at all of the different moments of performance for a purpose that you come across. You'll find that sacred theater really is Everywhere. If you want to send me a message, you can michaelamade.com. The contact form is a great way to get a hold of me. If you find yourself being creative with poetry, lyrics, or short fiction, consider listening to my radio show, World Poetry Open Mic. We broadcast every Friday at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You can find us at worldpoetryopenmic.net. But for this uh, podcast, the next episode will be tomorrow, which is Sunday. So until then, keep living authentically and keep living creatively.